from Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community. Super Yacht Radio. And this is an hour with Walter Schmidt, a sales and communications consultant um, coming in to us from Zurich in Switzerland. Walter, it is great to have you back on Super Yacht Radio on our regular spot on a Thursday every two weeks. How are you doing? Well, thank you. Anyway, thank you very much, Dave, for also inviting me one more time here on this show. Well, I'm doing pretty good as even Switzerland was a nice day. Today is sunny, not like yesterday, and everything is going quite well, it looks like. It always looks like it's a sunny day in Zurich. I, you know, that's why I, I, I miss, I used to live in Zurich. Uh, our listeners probably don't know this. Um, I had a wonderful year there working in the financial sector, and although you have very cold winters, summer's absolutely beautiful there. You've got the lake and You've got the boats on the lake. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful place to be. I look forward to returning someday soon. You are invited anytime you want to. See the way I plugged that? <laughs> You've now got an unwanted guest arriving soon. <laughs> Walter, um, topic that we're going to discuss today is about the changing landscape of marketing. And that's one thing that we've noticed in the industry over the, the COVID experience is how companies have to rethink their marketing strategy. One of the, I suppose, the main marketing avenues for our industry is yacht show season, which normally kicks off at the beginning of the year. It used to be with the Antibe show. For us, it kicks off with the Palmer show now. And then it extends through the year, normally to the Monaco show, um, which kind of heralds the end of the Mediterranean season. But of course... Antigua have their show in December and the others. Lately, this year, of course, most of the shows are being cancelled. In fact, the, the first of the show season is starting, I think it's on tomorrow in, um, in America, in Maine. I can't remember the name of the place. I have said it many times, but it doesn't come to mind. But a lot of companies are having to relook at how they're marketing how they're going to market going forward, because the next year is really uncertain. None of us really know. You know, we're, we're hoping everything will stabilize and we'll go forward. We've got scientists saying, oh, that we're going to have a second wave coming in the autumn time. Talk to me about um, marketing strategies and, and what you feel, you know, going forward, how companies are going to have to rethink this whole, uh, this whole activity in their business. Well, as you said, the market's landscape is changing completely, not only because of the COVID-19 issues, but also because of the market change that has occurred based on that problem, made a shift in how people and companies or leaders look at the market. Because one thing is that recognizing that it is also possible to work not only on a place where you have to go to, you can work from home, but of course, there's a little bit of difference when it comes to the yacht shows or presentation of products such like this, which is a huge impact. And uh, with the shows and also the presentation, if, if people have companies following up the old model that they are used to, to go for and to take on, this is going to change completely 
in my perspective, not only, but also based on observations and discussions with companies, that the approach has to be different. Now, if companies stuck on the old ways, on the well-known strategies on making presentations, shows, and inviting people from all over the world, they will realize that it doesn't work out anymore. As you said as well, this uncertainty and the laws that might change as well from country to country, that it might be not possible the same way as it used to be to have as many people on the same place. Secondly, people, they, they are affected now on what happens. A lot of fear, uncertainty, what is going on really, because nobody really knows what it is. So fear is a present part in many minds of people that even don't want to go to shows or they are trying to keep the distancing, which is very, very complicated well, to really it's, it's make it happen. It's funny you should say that. We spoke um, yesterday with Diane Byrne, who is the editor and the owner of Mega Yacht News. And she did a mm. survey with uh, a lot of her listeners and a lot of her readers about yacht shows. And of the people she surveyed, 40% of them came back and said, absolutely no way will I go to a yacht show you know, this year? Um, just no way I'm going to do that. I just, you know, there's fear there. Another 40% came back saying they were very uncertain as to whether they would do it. And 20% said, yes, if there was a yacht show, I'd go. And, and I think that's a very interesting survey in capturing the, the feeling across the industry. You know, I would be in that former 40% of... If there was a yacht show down the road tomorrow, I don't think I, even though, you know, we're out of lockdown and, and we're okay to go out and stuff like that, I'd still feel very uncomfortable doing it. And I think globally, that's a, that's a common feeling. Exactly. That's what you just mentioned now with this, this survey it shows very, very clear where the path might go because companies need to adjust their strategies and marketing strategies much, much more goes now online and also by phone or whatever it is, but not anymore as much as it used to be offline to be really together with people or just with small groups. So now those, this is also affecting the shows, the yacht shows, which are not, well, it, it's an expensive journey mm. to, to create a yacht show. And if the impact is not as, as high as it should be based on numbers of, of visitors, it's not worth. So it's also a necessary thing to pivot the activity, to change the module, to bring in new ideas, to go other ways, to find and attract the right customers, which is not the same way that they used to be or to have an approach to. Yeah, I was on a webinar with... Um Stefano De Vivo, who's the head of the Ferretti Group, and uh, they were saying that they are looking at, I mean, they're, this was at a time when it was exploration of other options, other ideas. But I got a, I'll come to what he said in a second, but I got a sense that, you know, uh, like many industries, we've been like a hamster on one of those wheels just running around doing what we normally do because we normally do it and not stopping to think of, is there a better way to do this? Is, is there a smarter way to do this? 
And what they were exploring at the time was the concept of, well, what if we just hired out a marina ourselves? And we brought our boats in there and we flew in our clients, our special clients that we know are potentially going to buy a boat. And we, we fly them in, we wine and dine them, we, we accommodate them. They come to a very small select show. Could only be a couple of hundred people. We show them the boats, we do the yacht show, they fly home, and we just do that for the year. And I found it interesting because it's, uh, you know, 85% of their budget goes on doing 20, 30 yacht shows around the world. And, you know, you, you got to think of the amount of boats they got to move around to get to the show, uh, the amount of time for their staff that's taken up, because the whole marketing department is dedicated to that show circuit, where the potential that, that they were looking at was we just do one show a year, and we just bring the key people there. And, and this could be a strategy going forward, where builders like Lersons or Fedship or whatever the group of Cybass, which is the uh, Super Yacht uh, Builders Association, go, well, we'll just do our own show once a year, and we'll bring in key clients. Where, like, if you go to Monaco, you've got, you're competing against all the other boat manufacturers and boat people, and plus you've got hundreds of people coming to take freebies from your stand, you know, like um, pencils or pens or whatever you're giving away. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, you're not getting those those real clients. So I think there is a thought process going on as to, are we doing this the right way? Is there a better way to go forward? Well, that's a good question. Because when I remember the last time I was at the Monaco Yacht Show, I talked to so many contacts that I have. And most of them really agreed on the topic that people that are visiting the show at the Monaco Yacht Show rarely some of them are real clients because the real clients they do it in other way so it's more like having having an interaction in between the different brokers and yacht builders and designers it's more like an internal let's say entrepreneurial meeting rather than really getting new clients and it's a huge part is also just to be there we present there to say well we have been at the Monaco Yacht Show it's yeah. part of like positioning marketing mm -hmm. branding and I think that this will change, especially in this market, very niche market. As there are not so many people that want to buy a yacht, or can't afford a yacht like buying Mercedes, as an example. Mm -hmm. But it might be, and I think also if, you, if companies craft it up properly, the strategy on how to make a real special event as, as a small circled event to bring in more value also for the clients because clients now just imagine if you have 10 people high value people that have different companies different products that they run to make their businesses and now you make an invitation like you say well let's meet up on a yacht or on several yachts let's have great dinners then also networking to introduce each other so that they can make businesses in between as well as an added value that they say, well, it's not only having a, what, a look at a yacht or a discussion with us in terms of what you want or what we can provide to you, but you get this big, big value based on also that you pick the people, the right people, yeah. 
and meet them up and say, hey, that's that's those guys, that's those guys. Let's introduce each other and let's see if there are synergies on even making business in between. Because if they make more business, they most likely also have more money to buy the next yacht. So it's a win-win situation, sort of. Funny enough, we're talking about Monaco Yacht Show, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I, th- I think very few people go to the show and go, oh, there's a yacht, let me buy it. Most of the deals that are maybe signed at the show, that deal's already been made. Yeah. You know, it's pen to paper. And, and uh, I think the, the people who would suffer from not having the Monaco show are the smaller companies that, as you say, do that business-to-business transaction, uh, that bumping into somebody and that you might not have seen for a while, and you talk and you find a synergy to go forward with. But, you know, I, I think that the for, for the, the boat builders themselves, um, I think there, there is scope to, to change direction on that. But I do think the smaller companies, and there's two types, there's the smaller companies who, who show there and they do great business, but there's a lot of companies that will spend twenty or 30000 to be at Monaco for what's called FOMO. Are you familiar with FOMO? Fear of missing out. And the amount of companies that, that I know that would go to Monaco, not because they get a return on their investment, but they feel that if they're not seen to be there, then they'll be considered not in the industry anymore. And it's an enormous pressure financially to, to just to be seen to be there. That's what I actually recognized by myself when I went there to the Monaco show. I think it was the fourth or fifth time in a row that people recognized that I'm there again. Mm. So I was in their scope. And if somebody didn't appear, this doesn't appear, that was a question. Where are they? Where are they? Do they don't have enough money or are they broke or whatever? Yeah. So it's about showing off, being there, being present, which is okay to be present. But as you say, I think that's a huge, a huge pressure, a huge financial mm. pressure, because in this time, well, what do you got to do else than being on the yacht show? And this is in the marketing, marketing perspective, something that will change, not only in that market, but especially in this market, that there are new strategies, new ways have to be found. And this cannot happen if they are based on the past experience because the past experience helps to make the thing again and again the same way. As you said, the hamster mm-hmm. wheel. That, that's actually the past. If I have the experience, yes, last time it was like this and this and it was successful, so I do it the same way, maybe a slightly little bit different approach in terms of showing off or things like that, small things, but the principles remain the same. So it doesn't create new results. Yep. That's why it is so important right now, anywhere where all this shutdown happens and force the people, the companies to go more online, more into the, vir- the virtual world and scaling down the sizes of shows or the meetings with people. It's, I think it's not only a bad thing. It has also is. A huge, uh, a huge opportunities comes up once companies have found their way strategies how to scale up then the business 
I mean, it sounds strange, scaling up the business by scaling down the activity <laughs> that you have done in the past. It's an oxymoron. There's a, there's a new English word for you, oxymoron. It, <laughs> oxymoron. Yeah, they, they just contradict each other, mm-hmm. but it's the, the right path to take. You know, it's, um, you, know you, you, you scale down on one, but to scale up on the other. Yeah, and we, we've actually seen this you know, from the station's perspective. We've seen a lot more inquiries about shifting the marketing over to radio, over to podcast, and trying to reach their, their audience in a different way. Um, and, and in a very focused way as well. So it's, uh, it's a very interesting shift in dynamic as well. And also companies that aren't spending that budget on the uh, yacht shows Certainly, are starting to look at well, what are other avenues? Well, how do we reach our our, our target audience in a different way, um, in mm-hmm. a post-COVID way? So it's uh, it's 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 a very palatable um, shift. That's another part that I realize also, and I see around that companies reduced their marketing budgets based on the crisis. Mm-hmm. which I think in my perspective is a huge disadvantage because right now it is it becomes very important to be visible, to stay visible, not only because of the yacht shows disappeared uh, for a while now and will change, but also if companies are not visible anymore because they try to save money, I think it's the wrong way to, to, to save it on the marketing side. Well, surely if you're not visible, you become invisible. Exactly. And if you are invisible, you become unattractive. You're just not there. You're not there. And that's always the same. Yeah, totally agree with you. And the the other uh, kind of, well, we've we've seen one shift, which was for the webinars during COVID. The amount of webinars was exhausting. Um, However, they've petered out now. It seems that the webinars have had their day. Uh, I was going through a phase where I'd have three or four invitations a day for a webinar for this, for this, for this, mm-hmm. for this. And it's, it seems that com- companies were looking at the webinars as a way of doing this, as a new platform to, to try it. But I have a feeling that the webinar day is, I think webinars will still become a, a new way to market yourself, but certainly not with the intensity that we've had over the last few months. Uh, which personally I, I welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think it, this market is quite saturated. Mm-hmm. I don't think it goes away because it's, as you said, a great way how to communicate with groups, but really specific groups that you define it and just don't go openly to everybody as it well, It happens in this time. Yeah. Everybody was everywhere all the time. And I could also, I couldn't help myself to find a way, okay, where I will be and where I will not be. And now it is time also to really observe the market, where the market is going now. And this not on a, on a time schedule on what is it in about six months or one year. That's too long in my perspective because it goes so fast yes. that it is almost on a daily basis that you have to check out, okay, what's, what's going on? Where is the hype, the next hype? Where are my clients but where are they spending time on? Even if you think something which, which you say, well, that, that's impossible. They will never, ever be on this or this platform. 
there you should check out, yeah. make a survey. Maybe they are there. And if they are, then you better go there, even if you don't like it, but it's not about what you like, it's about where your clients are. Yeah, you gotta follow the clients. And today they could be on Instagram, tomorrow they could be on TikTok. You just don't know. Uh, and and that's, that's the other problem with, with trying to strategize, I would think, for your marketing future. Because usually a company will, um, the larger companies, will uh, assign a, a marketing budget and they'll have a strategy for that year. In January we do this, February we do that, blah, 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 blah. Um, now we can't do that. Now we've got to look at you know, our marketing strategy for the next two months, which we can kind of rely on. We can't be certain about it. We can't really say what's going to happen in the next six months, so we can't really commit to a marketing strategy for that. And which kind of brings us into a world of of uh, of mitigation you know of making a plan but also having a a mitigation plan of okay if we end up in lockdown in in a month's time mm-hmm. how do we continue doing our business how do we continue with our marketing strategy and not just that our operational strategy as well and and i i was really surprised i won't mention the person's name or the company mm-hmm. but we had um uh he's like the, the the chief strategist or um yeah he's kind of the chief strategist for for a yachting company very substantial yachting company they've got facilities around the world in in europe in australia sorry not australia new zealand and several other places <clears throat> excuse me and they came over after lockdown we socially distanced, and um, we were having a bottle of wine, and we were chatting away, and we were talking about the impact uh, on on his business, and uh, and and I asked him because because his job is as strategist for the company. I said, you know, what's your mitigation strategy? And he kind of looked at me. He said, I, uh, what do you mean? And I said, well, your your mitigation strategy. Well, you know, what's your plan? should we go into lockdown in, in two months' time or three months' time or whatever if we have a resurgence of numbers, which is, as we're seeing in America and some other countries, Germany is having a surge as well. If we go into lockdown, what's your, your company strategy to, to mitigate, knowing what you know over the last few months? And his face just went blank. He kind of looked at me and went, what do you mean? Uh, we, we don't have one. And, and that's kind of scared me because I think companies need to, and you know, I, I'm asking the question, I'm not saying, but from a personal perspective, I think companies need to look at the what if, which is a very real what if in the, in the current climate of what do we do if things go back to where they were? <clears throat> well, me. That's, that's a huge thing, especially big companies, because they have typically have quite a long decision process internally to change mm-hmm. something. And now to actually to mitigate the risk in companies in terms of making strategies for marketing, communication, sales, it will become, that's my observation also, based on discussions I just had today one, that companies, if they want to have a good position, and if some of them, if they want to survive, and we can not only talk about the small companies, also big companies, where typically has been said, 
they are too big to fail. But even though they have the risk, if they cannot adapt quick and fast and appropriate to the present situation that comes up, it becomes very hard to them to, to follow up the market and to be fast enough and flexible enough to, to react and also to have the risk or to take the risk to test because as all things that comes up also with this lockdown as well and the new world of of virtuality which a lot of people a lot of companies are not really familiar with it is important to test out what works and what does not works in a quite fast time frame so they that, that they can adjust quick to find the best way to, the best strategy and, and, to, and to, do it, to do it before you need to do it yeah be one step ahead in or in, in the operational part but seven eight steps ahead in the strategy mm-hmm. so that the, the risk mitigation becomes a, a daily task for for everybody in the company who is who is dealing with the marketing and sales so that they are on track all the time and by the way, this is something to, to, to push the reset button for small companies. It's not a real big, big deal to do that. But for bigger companies to have to have to be brave enough to say, well, okay, let's do something else and let's create a solution for right now and make it happen with a fast implementation to see what happens. Well, when I studied economics, back at school it's funny it was, it, was, it was one of those classes that was at eight o'clock in the morning and i always figured they had it that early in the morning so that none of the students would ever turn up they just didn't want to teach us it but, <laughs> <laughs> but um um our, our teacher for economics uh we we discussed uh we were discussing um the difference in 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 the scale of companies and he drew a beautiful analogy. It's actually a, um, a, a maritime kind of analogy. And he said, if you can imagine companies as boats. And he said, if you've got a big company, uh, let's say you've got the biggest company. What's the biggest boat? You've got a tanker. And he said, if you're in a tanker and you decide suddenly, oh, no, I want to go left here. It will take you about five miles from turning the steering wheel to actually having the boat going left. But he said, if you're in a small boat, if you're in a little dinghy and you want to go left, you turn that wheel and boom, you're left. And he was talking in, in, in terms of how companies can react to change. As you just said, the larger companies, it takes longer for it. Could we possibly see a strategy going forward where larger companies become more modular? Kind of break down the company yes. to become smaller companies, Absolutely. so they can react to change much more rapidly. Absolutely, I don't think that they have to be different. Uh, that you break it up in different companies, but in different departments, which are leaded differently than up to now, mm-hmm. because that's one more kind of thing of who is responsible to make decisions and take action. And there are definitely ways or strategies and models how to break down a company's strategy that is right now present to make it more flexible, like make building boxes mm-hmm. that you can move around quick and that you can adapt on different other boxes if necessary. 
And there we come to a very, very important part of, of how to, to deal with it. Let's say if you, have, if you build tankers, <laughs> if we take that now as you have started with. Let's go with tankers. That, let's go with tankers. Let's say if you are a company that builds tankers, you have, you have the facility and the machine, the equipment, everything to do it in a certain way. And now you realize, oh, we don't need any more tankers in the world. We need small, fast boats to move around quick. So how can you adapt the strategy internally also in the operational part and, uh, and uh, part of the, what is it, the planning division on how to pivot these activities internally where you split split out the responsibilities, give those people more power in making decisions and change also the strategy on how to cooperate within the company's field so that you are quick enough to make the small boats so that your reaction time becomes very, very fast. That requires, but also that you do not only think out of the box, that's not enough anymore. Definitely not, because we say you have to throw the box out of the window. Yeah, completely reinvented. Yeah, completely reinventing your strategy, but that on a quick, fast way. And there, of course, it is possible, but it's a huge change of the mindset, how you think, and and the way you you see the market. Well, I think in, in the current climate, it, it demands that companies rethink how they're doing things, and and re, and, and and appreciate that yeah, you know, th- this is a pandemic, but it's not an out of the blue thing. Uh, President Obama, uh, President Trump's predecessor, he recognized this threat. He set up a pandemic rapid response uh, team to be prepared for such an eventuality. Bill Gates on TED Talks, I think it was maybe five years ago, he discussed this. He said it's not a case of of will it or if, it's a case of when. And and I think we are getting into to an era now with, with climate change and with all these things where we're facing COVID at the moment. But not too long ago, just as a quick aside, uh, the, the tundra region is starting to melt, has been melting now for, or thawing out for the last couple of years. And in Siberia, in a small remote place in Siberia, there was an outbreak of anthrax. Mm-hmm. And scientists went along and they, they tried to figure out what's going on, how did they get this, blah, blah, blah. And they traced it down to the carcass of a reindeer or something like that that had been frozen for hundreds of years and is now defrosted and it had anthrax mm-hmm. and that's how the people caught it and with the changing climate you know, not only are we exposed to pandemics like we have now but scientists are also saying we're, we're, we're potentially exposed to viruses and, and bacterias that have been frozen in the tundra in the arctic areas for thousands of years possibly even millions of years Things that we have no idea about that are now starting to defrost and are now starting to, to be a potential. So we are, we are in uh, an era now where this could be 
a regular occurrence that these bizarre, very deadly viruses or bacteria or infections come out and we end up back in lockdown and, and suffering the way we have been. Yeah, and that's why exactly it is very important to think further, to take all these options in consideration to adapt or to create a strategy or maybe more than one to react once this occurs. I mean, I just thought about now it's COVID, now it's coronavirus, shut down. But what happens if one day we just we just get not out based on, on having no no electricity? No power, even if it's only for two or three days on the whole world. Mm-hmm. Now, just imagine that. What are you going to do as a company if that happens? What what risk mitigation do you see as an option? That if that happens, how can you still continue or preparing at least so that you are not getting into panic, which a lot of companies or leaders of companies most probably will have been done already. It's your first reaction. So, it's like, oh my god, yeah. what do we do now? So that's why it's, I think nowadays, as you say, we don't know what's coming up. We haven't known that, known that before as well, but we, now we have more technique, technologies to figure out, okay, what is different than it has been before? So we see more. And that also, so curious as like, we see more threats, more, more dangers, more risks for our lives that we haven't seen before. Now we see it. Actually, I think that's a, an interesting point. That is, it's not just pandemics that we got to prepare for. I read an article recently where there's a a bounty or prize being offered to somebody who can come up with an idea about clearing space junk. And I, I hadn't realized, but there are teams of people around the world who who their job is just to track space junk. And, you know, one might think, so what? There's lots of junk up there. But you've got <laughs> junk, you know, bits of, bits of satellites, old bits of stuff just floating around up there. But it's not just floating. It's traveling at like 30,000 miles an hour. And if that hits a satellite, it can just, it can obliterate it. And so our communications, which is dependent on satellites, um, can at any moment be interrupted or completely come to a standstill because of just some junk hitting it or a meteorite shower. And we're, we're very exposed to that as well, but yet we've got no mitigation, no strategy to get around, well, what if communications blacks out on us tomorrow? What do we do then? That's an interesting topic because, you know, everything that we don't see, which is in the sky, in the air, we don't see, so we don't recognize it, so we don't care. And making these problems visible to make people more aware of what's going on also would, in my perspective, re- reduce the, the the waste on planet Earth in general. I, th- I think a lot of people are no, not really aware what they do by just throwing things away or using, let's say, a lot of things that are packed up in plastic and alloy, no, whatever it's, it's it is. Simple, it's simple. I, I did it last night, Walter. I put all our, our rubbish that was in a bag, I put it outside my door, and this morning it had disappeared. Problem finished. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is, out of sight, it out just of mind. magically disappeared. But you're right, <laughs> where the hell does that go? And a lot of the places that it used to go, like the Philippines and China, has now, I mean, the Philippines, 
were actually shipping back to Canada all of its rubbish. They no longer want to be the dumping ground for other countries' garbage. And you're seeing that around the world a lot. Before COVID, this was a big topic. This was back in the days when we had a climate crisis. I don't rem- don't know if you remember back then. <laughs> it seems like a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's a lot of time. <laughs> but it's, it's unfortunately yeah. still with us. That's another thing. And also now in market, in terms of marketing strategies or how to make business in, in the yachting industry, I think also that part of taking more care in general, I mean, just imagine instead of having thousands of people on a show, you have a few hundreds. That's a real nice positive impact to our environment because it's real, a lot less well, whatever it is, if you could, if you could fly by plane or go coming by car, so you really do a good job for the environment. Mm, it's got a huge carbon impact. Absolutely, absolutely huge. So, and that's just something else as well, which you can take into your marketing strategy. Mm. I, th- I think for the yacht companies, for the yacht builders, I, I think it's a good strategy going forward. You know. Uh, if you go to Monaco Yacht Show, you are one of a thousand boats there. But mm. as, as Stefano was saying from Ferretti, if we have our own show that's just focused on our boats with two or 300 potential clients that we know is turmoils that aren't, I, they aren't ice cream liquors. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good way of saying it. I.e., they're not just there for the day out to look at the boats but there are potentially real clients that can become real business. Then I think you know, from, from a boat building company, that's, that's a really good strategy. But it's got a big negative side to it as well. And outside of the yachting event, you've got the local community. And there's a huge impact on that as well. If, if we just think of, because it's the only one I've got the numbers for, but if you, if you look at Flibs, uh, Fort Lauderdale show, uh, which mm-hmm. is a huge event. I, I love going to Flips, actually. It's, it's, it's a really nice um, show to go to. But for the local economy, that's $1.3 billion gone. That's for the local bars, the local restaurants, the hotels, the taxis, especially the car park just across the road. You can't imagine how much they charge you to park a car there. Um, I think most of the $1.3 billion goes to him. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's got a huge impact. It will have a huge impact on the local communities when these shows uh, don't appear. But I think for the boat builders, it's a clever strategy. The other side to it is the smaller businesses, the business-to-business that happens at these shows. So it's, it's not about the buying of the yacht, but it's... It's about the small companies. It's about meeting and forming strategic alliances. It's uh, it's about the small businesses that are done in the little kiosks, and and I think they are going to suffer greatly because the if the shape of yachts going forward is to become more smaller and modular and more discreet, mm-hmm. then. They lose out on that, and and uh, what do they do? And that's that's going to have a big impact. I think that's that's you know it's, as these yachts, they have so many suppliers and small mm-hmm. companies are working on it. 
the impact is definitely huge. I could imagine that also the way of how to make a show, even like let's say in a corporation with two, three, four, five companies with some few brands that they create their own, as you also mentioned before, a smaller one, but also inviting then the suppliers as an opportunity for them to show up there, but in a small range. And then once all the time as well, the small one have to adjust their strategies, marketing strategies to reach out to the companies more as well on the, on the internet, on the virtual way. And that's, that's actually attracts the topic of differentiate, definitely differentiate yourself. Because you have to differentiate yourself, I think, now more, even more than before, because there are new ways to go with and to keep visible your company visible and attractive. You got to find a way to say, okay, that's, that's the thing that makes me different to all others. And by that, doing that, attracting the people or the customers or the perspectives that are yours. So it's a shift in my perspective. That's, that's my personal point of view. It's the shift that goes on through the whole market on how to be present and how to find the customers and define your customers in combination with existing customers, new ones, and figure out, okay, that's the one I want. And how do I find these those people? And where do I have to go? And how do I use the internet or whatever comes up as new technology as well? So that's a huge change. Uh, that's why it doesn't work anymore with the old way on how to market and how to, to go forward. So experience from the past is not anymore as important as the relevancy from the present moment and what you have done yesterday. Yeah, um, actually, I'm just thinking uh, Colin Squire, who is the publisher and owner of um, Yachting Matters magazine, has set up a website called Super Yacht Professionals. And it's actually a very clever thing, and it's, it's getting really good traction, where it's uh, where uh, yachting company suppliers, the the people on land that provide services or goods uh, for the super yachts, can come, and it's it's like a, a social media platform just for those that part of the industry, and, and I have a feeling that we're going to see various flavors of that kind of thing where the, the smaller companies can socially integrate through mm-hmm. an online presence. And, and that probably is going to be a big part of the future makeup of the industry. I think it has to be. Yeah, those kind of platforms and also in other markets, they come up and more and more. I think that's that there that those one will win who find the best way on how to make themselves attractive, also in the usage of such a platform to be transparent and easy to handle as well. And also by adapting it to the existing programs that people use so that you're not only focusing on the most sophisticated, but if you do so, so that you have a connection somehow to the present existing platforms or technology that people use most of the time, to pick them up somehow, like pick up, pick up strategy. Mm. Well, I think it's um, probably a great time for people who are in the social media world in that uh, companies are going to really re- rely on them to 
get their message out to to you know, find new clients and and be very targeted in finding new clients through an, on, online platforms and and I don't know if if Facebook and and the existing platforms really can deliver on that uh, I have a feeling that maybe a new platform needs to come along that's kind of LinkedIn but possibly even more focused per industry so that people within different sectors different industries can just focus in on their client potential client base and and other companies that they have potential strategic uh, possibilities with but that's why it's so important to, to if you are in marketing in a company or in strategy to, that you really look day on a daily basis what what is the market going to do where is the shift taking place what kind of new platforms arise even as you have mentioned before, TikTok. Hmm. I hear people, they say, well, TikTok, that's only to for people who have nothing else to do than just shooting videos, doing stuff, stupid things. But the traffic that they generate it's incredible. is enormous. Uh, and as an, now if you think... Uh, as an influencer as well. I mean, uh, we actually mm-hmm. covered an article from TikTok this morning. I think it's our first TikTok article we spoke about. The new way to eat breakfast cereal. Which <laughs> put your cereal in a bowl, pop it in the freezer for 30 minutes. Apparently, it makes a world of difference. I laugh at it. It's a silly thing. It's TikTok telling you to put your stuff in a freezer for 30 minutes. I haven't tried it out yet, I have to, uh, have to admit. But the, um, the impact that has had, the amount of millions of people who have seen this TikTok. And I think you're right. Companies look at TikTok as a, oh, that's for my teenage kids. They're doing a little video. It's all very quaint. But some companies have recognized that this is a huge marketing potential. It's not just a kid's playground, but there is very big. And these new little platforms that we might think are just for kids, they are evolving into very, uh, influential sites yeah and well sort of an addiction also that happens sometimes i made a test on myself so i took a half an hour said to myself so now i have a 30 minute you TikTok. tock watching i'd only watching only watching <laughs> because i wanted to see what happens what, what Walter. <laughs> on me and interestingly enough i was very amused on it were you hooked? I found it somehow huh were you hooked do you get up at three in the morning when your wife can't see you and no, you no, TikTok? no no no, no. what's <laughs> daytime but i realized that it became sort of entertaining so much because i thought oh that's so silly how can those people do a play like that but even people that are well known in the industries appeared there and i thought i thought oh my gosh no but then the thought, my the mind changed, and I thought to myself, "Okay, he is brave enough." That part he was a he. He was brave enough to go on such a media platform, playing um, a monkey, sort of, and just exposing himself so that a lot of people talk about. Because it's still the same. If you bring in positive information, nobody is is attracted or interested in. If you bring in some stupid things or bad or negativity or as just silly things, people look at it. But 
This and is, we, we found this on our social media. I mean, uh, Maeve does all our social media. I tend not to do it. I, I, I've got an issue with social media. That's another show that we can talk about that. But um, so 99.99% of what we post up on social media has either to do with shows that we've done, things that are happening in the in, in the industry. Um, you know, we, we get a good spread. We get good reaction numbers and whatever. We're happy with what we get. But then I remember there was one thing which was just ludicrous. It was something about... I can't remember. It was like a hamster got its head stuck in the exhaust pipe of a car. And whereas <laughs> our posts might get ten or 12,000 reach, this thing got nearly 50,000 reaches. And it was ridiculous. It was a hamster with its head in a bloody exhaust pipe. But yet, that kind of thing, it resonates. It gets shared. It, it does. So, you know, Good on that person for going on TikTok and, and playing the monkey. But we're on a radio show at the moment that broadcasts to over 50,000 people. And we're talking about this guy on TikTok. So you see, tell me it's not effective. What it you know? <laughs> that's what it is. And now if you use such a platform and play something where really silly that, silly that people say, okay, I got to see that. And then you put an information somewhere, whether it's a website or an information that you want to have branded sorry, in their brain. So, sorry for inter uh, interrupting, Walter. I think your microphone is rubbing off something. Possibly. Better now? Oh, much better. Much better. Uh, okay, good. It's obviously well, good. It's, it's good quality cotton, you see. It, it does that to a <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Soon I have even a better one. Much better. <laughs> your Sunday best. <laughs> No, but what I said is, if you use such a platform to get people watch whatever it is and then put somewhere an in information, it could be your website or something else, that, that's sort of a branding because it's, it's branded, it's, bra it's actually brains, brands your brain somehow. And if you see mm. it over and over again, that's the way how to also find people that just start to spread your, your website or whatever subliminal. it is. It's subliminal. You know, yeah, have your logo behind you when you're doing the video. People yeah. watch the video. That, yeah. I dream about your logo. <laughs> Thank you very much. I I don't know I don't know where to put that. <laughs> Positive way. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's something that really. Have you been I working out? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, because I see it everywhere. As soon as I see. As I see a microphone, even if it's not the same, it reminds me so immediately on Superior Radio. That's what is about branding, which it becomes more and more important now as we are more on the internet than on yacht shows. And that's uh, that's what we tell our clients. It's you know, it's it's about continuity of message, and it's about reinforcing that not just uh, once, but over and over again. And people do; they associate it. They see a microphone. Could be a different one, but it reminds them of that. And and if you can achieve that, well, then that's a huge milestone in in the marketing and branding of your company. That's exactly the way I also do my coachings with clients. That the repetition, repeat, repeat, and nothing else than repeat again and again. Although whatever comes new, it doesn't really work here because Maeve keeps telling me to wash up my cups after me, and as much as she tells me. 
it just doesn't get in there. But I okay. think with, I brand, with brand recognition, it does work, I think. I, I got to have a talk with my... <laughs> <laughs> she would welcome that one. <laughs> if you let her. <laughs> yeah. But there's a company um, in, uh, in Monaco called Zoo. And I know this. I know it. You know too. And when he started, a lovely, lovely guy who, who set it up. And when he started off, he uh, just he, he got printed off a a roll of stickers, zoo. Mm -hmm. And he went mm -hmm. around Monaco and anywhere he could find that was discreet and, and not rude to put it, he would stick it on bins. He would stick it on here and stick it on. And no matter where you went in Monaco for quite a few months, you saw the sticker, and. It had a, and he told me, he said that was the most brilliant, what did he call it? Guerrilla marketing, he called it. And he said it was the most effective yeah. thing he's ever done. He said it only cost me 20 euros to get the roll of, of stickers. And mm -hmm. now they're a big company, they spend thousands in, in their marketing strategies. But the most effective thing when he started off, he said it was just putting the logo out there everywhere you went, just reinforce it, boom, boom, boom. And now imagine the word Sue doesn't have nothing to do at all with a yacht it has to do with animals in switzerland at least yeah I, but i think zoo i think yacht <laughs> <laughs> now i do yes well but before i mean the wording yeah. zoo it doesn't relate to anything about yachts but once you have seen it and make the connection then there yeah. you are it was an interesting choice of name actually not sure where he got that from but it's it's I, it's obviously worked for him i think i'm gonna ask him I need to ask. That's a good. That's a good hint to me. Well, that's a good one. I'm gonna ask him. <laughs> Why zoo? <laughs> Why zoo? That's a good question. So yeah, yeah. So so going forward, just to, to wrap up, because uh, believe it or not, we we've, we've been talking for an hour. We may have to extend your shows going forward. Yes. Yeah, so so going forward, I think the message what I picked up from what you've said is that companies need need to strategize, rethink their marketing, and also rethink you know, the, the their ability to change with changing times and rapidly change. Uh, because as we saw with COVID, it wasn't a case of, oh, in six months we'll go into lockdown. It was on Monday, we're in lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, and I think companies need now to test those processes that they'll need to put in place should it reoccur. Yeah, and taking actually help and support from outside because as long as they are inside only, they have the same people, they look the same way typically as they are blocked in their minds. So that's why it became it becomes very important to seeking out from help from others outside to be more in, in, in to have a, more, a stronger impact and getting new ideas more quickly. Walter, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I could certainly keep on talking, but we're at the top of the hour. And be back in a couple of weeks with us? Yes, in two weeks. I'm back again. I look forward to it. That was uh, an hour with Walter Smith, the author of Super Yacht Sales. Uh, thank you for listening. Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community. Super Yacht Radio.